0: Good morning, and welcome to the Candy Sparrow Story Podcast, a place where we share the stories of individuals who have broken the cycle of homelessness and ended up on your top. I'm your host, Sydney Grover, and today we're joined by Jason, a man who now gives back after struggling with homelessness himself. Jason, thank you so much for being on today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, before we get started, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, I know how incredibly difficult this can be, and I just really appreciate you trusting us with this opportunity. Thanks. Um, so I always like to start from the top, so let's start at the tippy-tippy top. Where were you born?
1: Okay, so I was born here in Phoenix, Arizona at Good Samaritan Hospital.
0: Cool, awesome. So um, you lived here all your life?
1: Yes. I, I grew up in the Maryvale area for a little bit, and then we moved up to the North Valley um, around Happy Valley and, and 43rd Avenue, So and that's where I spent a lot of my teen years.
0: Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit. What was your childhood like? Do you have siblings?
1: I do. I have a brother. Um, so, so growing up, actually, was pretty normal. I mean, it was a pretty normal family. My mom and dad were married. My my father um, took me to all my sporting events. Um, he had a business in upholstery. My mother was a, a uh, worked for an insurance company. Um, so it was it was pretty normal. Uh, went to went to school. Got decent grades. Um, in high school, started grades started slipping a little bit, but they were they were decent. Um, I was gifted a, as a as a uh, when I was in the younger grades. I went to um, some gifted courses and 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 was advanced for my age. Um, so it was a pretty normal lifestyle growing up.
0: Yeah. Um, so you're relatively close to your family. You guys all hang out. We are. That's yes, awesome. I think yeah. that's really important to have that support system and. Um, so let's talk about your experience in school. You talked a little bit about that. What did you do in high school? What was your high school like?
1: Okay. So, so I shifted when we moved from, you know, a poor neighborhood to the nicer neighborhood, I kind of felt lost. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really know how to fit in. Um, so I would go to different groups of people and just try to, try to fit in with them. And I think that happens a lot in our society is is we try to fit into different places and don't really know our place. Um, And that's where I was personally. Um, And so when I went to high school, um, I started playing sports um, and I got into um, the crowd that, you know, was doing some not so good things. Yeah,
0: I think that happens to a lot of people in high school.
1: (laughs) Um, And I, I felt like like that's where I kind of fit in, you know, that's, that was my, my spot. Um, and I kind of grew up around them and got into some substances, started smoking a little bit of marijuana, mm-hmm. um, started drinking at at, at parties and, and everything. So.
0: So um, is that when you had first experienced homelessness yourself?
1: Um, not in my high school years. So when I first experienced homelessness, I was about 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what had happened is, um, so I got, all right, let me back up. So throughout high school, um, you know, I I was into the, the party phase quite a bit. Um, I was hanging out with everybody that parties and, and I got really into that. And it's not like I woke up someday and and said that, Hey, I want to be a partier Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, you know, I would look in the mirror and I, I would, and I would, I would see people and I would see people that got into drugs and I I would, I would kind of condemn them. Um, but then one day I was standing in the mirror, looking in the mirror and and I was in that addiction.
0: So after you got involved with a little bit of the wrong crowd and really found your place in high school, kind of not in the best situation, um, what happened next? Where did you go from there?
1: So I ended up graduating high school, um, and I went to Dubai University. Um, I, I, was trying to follow in the footsteps of my brother. My brother became an engineer, um, and I realized that that really wasn't for me, mm-hmm. but throughout this process i was I was still partying and I, I at this time I was addicted to alcohol um, gotcha. and I was drinking constantly and what would happen is I would go out at night um, and I wouldn't be able to stop and then in the mornings they were they were troublesome getting up um, so i was I was making it to class, um, but not all the time I wasn't my, my grades were slipping um, and then I ended up getting in a car accident um i was driving down a road i was drinking and driving and um i actually i i just ran off and and wrecked my car and um totaled my car yeah um an ordinary person would have saw that situation and, and thought hey you know something bad happened um i should i should uh maybe uh do something about it yeah make a Um, change right but at that time I didn't really my mind wasn't set on that Um, so later on I ended up I didn't get in trouble for that one Um, but later on I ended up wrecking a car again Mm -hmm. and this time I got in a car accident I was drinking Um, and I ended up going to the hospital I ended up getting um, charged with the extreme DUI Uh, this was in 2000,
0: 2001. Gotcha. Um, so what's an extreme DUI? What?
1: An extreme DUI is when your blood alcohol content, I believe is, is above 0.16. Gotcha. So my blood alcohol level was 0.28. Wow. So I was, I was pretty intoxicated. I definitely shouldn't have been driving. Uh, thank God I did not hurt anybody mm-hmm. in the accident. Um, so that's where kind of my, my journey begins with, uh, just a downward spiral of events. Um, and I say this, you know, I didn't wake up one day and just decide that, Hey, I'm going to be an alcoholic. I'm going to get into drugs. Um, this was all a part of me trying to fit in, um, trying, but, but I have an addictive personality that I just built on. Um, so after I got all that, um, I got kicked out of my parents' house um, and I got introduced to crystal meth gotcha. um, and I didn't, you know, I, I, I don't know how I ended up, I was drinking one day and I got involved with it and from there it just graduated and gradually got increased more and more um, and I was doing it on a daily basis Wow. Um, and that's where the homelessness really begins. Um, so, so, you know, my, my mother and father bless their hearts, you know, they had to do the tough love thing and they had to just kind of keep their distance from me at the time. Um, I wasn't a criminal, I wasn't doing anything, any type of criminal activity. I was just an addict. Yeah. Um, and it led me to the streets. Uh, I was, I would actually pick up my mail on, on 12th Avenue Madison. Um, And it wasn't like so the stigma of homelessness is is it's it's for me, this is what I this is what I my perspective always was. It's the guy sitting on the side of the road with the sign Mm -hmm. begging for money. Um, For me, I wasn't necessarily always living on the streets. I was going from house to house. I was sleeping on couches. Um, I was trying to find just places, places to sleep. Um, And sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I would sleep in a park. Um, a lot of times I did, um, because you know, there's a, there's this connection of, of people that are addicts out there. Um, and it's, it's, it's just crazy.
0: You just kind of made home wherever you could find. Home. I did.
1: I did. And, and, and this is where the, so like, this is where the, it's really tough because you get in that spiral and you get so deep into it that you get comfortable in, in the misery that you're living in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't think that there's any way out of it and that's kind of where I was at I didn't think that there's any way that I was going to get out of the addiction like I could not stop like a lot of people well a lot of people would tell me well just stop well if it was that easy then I would have done it a long time ago because I honestly believed that I did not want to do this I mean I would wake up in the morning And I would say, I'm not going to do this ever again. And if there's a lie detector test in front of me, I would have passed it because I truly meant it. Yeah. Um, But yet that night I was still in the addiction. The
0: substance was controlling your life and controlling your decisions. Right.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. So I feel like that's something that happens a lot. And that stigma is that um, people are being controlled by these substances, their whole life is being taken over by the substances. Um, So during your experience with homelessness, how would you describe it? How would you describe what you went through?
1: I mean, it's sad. When you're looking at it from the outside in, it's really sad. Um,
0: Did you feel like you were gonna make it out alive?
1: I didn't know, honestly. Like I felt at times that I wanted to die that it would be a lot easier if I was, if, not that I was going to commit suicide, but it, I felt like it was a lot easier if I wasn't here. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and that's where the self pity and, and, just the, the hurt comes in and, and it brought a lot of tears out there. I mean, there's a lot of people out there on the streets that are crying in, alone Yeah. Um, and they don't have somebody to reach out to.
0: Well, they've constantly been dehumanized and I think that's what we're trying to focus on. I mean, I think that these individuals have feelings and emotions and just like you, like they have the opportunity to make it out. Yeah. And I think that's huge. So what do you think your why was? What pulled you out of this? What was your like aha moment?
1: So I was looking at that question and I was honestly, for me it was a divine intervention. It was it was something just grabbed a hold of me and, and just said, What are you doing? Yeah. Um but I also I would see uh, other people that, that I grew up with, and I would see the lifestyles they had, the marriages they had, the the children that they're they were um, that they're starting, the families that they're starting to form, um, the careers. Uh, because at this time I was between the ages of twenty one and twenty five, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of a lot of my friends were out of college, they're starting their careers. Um, so, and I, I'm like, man, I, I've been delayed all this.
0: Yeah. Everyone was progressing and you felt at a standstill.
1: Right. So, so I believe God just stepped in the middle of it and said, Hey, um, let's get you out of this. And, and what happened was I had made an attempt at recovery before. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming that's one of your questions, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I had made an attempt at recovery before I went to uh, crossroads. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, one of the largest recovery places in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. And, um, I went there, didn't completely make it through, um, but I went back this time, um, and what happened was I was just devastated. I was on the, I was on the streets. I was holding on to some bars and across the street, I saw a church and I literally saw the grass was greener because it was really green.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I saw, I saw the people were dressed nice and I saw the smiles on their face and, and, and I just had like an aha moment. Yeah. Um, And I text, I had a phone, I text somebody that I knew that would help. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I messaged them, they were there in about 20 minutes. Wow. And they took me to Crossroads, um, and that's where, and they kind of just took me under their wing and I, I found mentors and I had to, I had to have somebody show me how to live,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how to just live. They, they told me what time to get up. Um, they told me that I needed to make my bed. Yeah. Uh, they told me that I needed to get a mentor. Um, I needed to seek a job, um, and throughout that recovery, you know, I stayed there for about four and a half months. Then I moved into a sober living house. Um, and, you know, now I have my own house. I have my own family. I have, I have my own business.
0: That's huge. So when did you meet your wife? When did you guys get together?
1: So my wife and I, we met. <laughs> so we met about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we had been married for five years. And, um, I actually met her in recovery. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. That's powerful. You guys went through it together. Yeah. So you guys have been together five years. You have kids.
1: We do. We have, we have three kids. One's actually 16. Wow. Um, the other one, the other two are girls, uh, five and and three, five and four.
0: Yeah. So how do you feel your experience impacted who you are today?
1: Honestly, I'm grateful for the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I know that when I share my story, there's always going to be those out there that will look at me and, and judge me in a certain way, which is okay. Yeah. Um, but I also know that there's somebody on the other end of this that that needs to hear this. Um, so, so for me, the way it's changed me is it's allowed me to empathize with with those who are homeless and. and it's allowed me to to have a passion for for giving back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what it's done for me.
0: So describe your life today. What do you do? What do you? How do you give back to your community?
1: Um, so I'm involved with the church. Um, it's called Pure Heart. Um, been involved with them for about five years. Um, I also serve on the board of directors for UMOM. Uh, mom is the largest homeless shelter for families. Um, They also serve single women, um, also part of low-income housing. Um, They're doing a lot in the community. Uh, I got involved with them. I was uh, part of, uh, it's called the Arizona Multi-Housing Association. They had a committee called Big Hearts for Little Hands and where they would fundraise for UMOM. Uh, I went to UMOM directly. I ended up getting involved with them. I served on their Young Professionals Council for, Six years, I uh, chaired it the last two years, and then um, I got asked to move on to the board of directors. So I've been on the board of directors since, since January. Um, that's one of my ways of giving back. Mm-hmm. I have a passion for, for those people. Um, you know, they are people just like us. Some of them have just had hardships, and they d- just don't know how to get out. Um, and, you know, we try to give them a, a hand up.
0: And I think that that's I love that term hand up because a lot of people associate um, serving with a hand out. We're just providing. So I feel like you, mom, is really building people up to find their potential. And I think it's incredible that you're a part of that. I mean, a lot of people who have experienced homelessness have problems going back and being in the shelters and seeing that lifestyle again, because once you break out, you really don't want to go back. So I think that's huge.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So when did you find the Lord? Were you always religious or was it during your?
1: So I was raised in a Catholic background, um, but I don't know. I didn't really know God. I didn't know Jesus then. Um, And then even when I got sober, I was seeking, I was more of an agnostic type. Um, I was seeking um, a God of my understanding. Um, And, you know, I I was going to recovery meetings and, and Um, one day I just went to a church and it just struck me.
0: Um, Yeah, hit you.
1: And the Holy Spirit just entered me, and and from then on, I've I've just, I've just been really involved with it.
0: Yeah, you needed that guidance. You had, you had to build that relationship. I think that's huge. Um, so if anyone listening to this is struggling with homelessness, what advice would you give to them?
1: I would, I would tell them to ask, ask for help. Yeah. Um, and when you when you ask for help, be willing to walk in that help,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, rather than, I I know for me a lot of times I would ask for help. And there would be the opportunity, but I wouldn't get up get up and and go towards it. Yeah. Um, and maybe it was because of my depression. Maybe it was because I, I was just comfortable where I was at, um, or I just didn't have any hope.
0: You have to put up your half of the deal to right. really succeed. I think that's huge. So
1: I, I think the biggest thing is, is for the question is that there is hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so the last question we really have is what do you want people to know about homelessness? Is there anything you just really feel that you, your heart is telling you to tell people?
1: Yeah. I To get past the negativity, mm-hmm. um, the stigma that, that every single person out there just wants drugs. Every single person out there just wants alcohol. Well, my for my case you know drugs and alcohol were part part of my life but really I just wanted somebody to love on me
0: yeah
1: um, that's all I want I just wanted to be accepted in society mm-hmm. um, and it, and when I felt rejected it just kept pushing me further and farther down
0: yeah
1: um, so so a lot of the people out there that's all they want they just want to have a conversation um, they really some of them don't even want the, the handouts. Yeah, just to
0: be acknowledged, to be eye contact and just be respected. They
1: just want to make a friend, really. Yeah,
0: I think that's huge.
1: Um, so, and I, you know, I'd also want to break the stigma of, of you know, there's, there are a lot of homeless families out there that weren't provided the same opportunities that some of us were. I was blessed. I was I had the ability. I just made some choices in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some people that, that, you know, they they were born into a drug addicted family, um, you know, who had five kids and then they become fifteen, they have to drop out of school to get a job to 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 provide for their family and then they end up having kids of their own.
0: Yeah. And
1: now they, they can't afford childcare, so they have to quit their job and they have to live live off the state.
0: It's, it's a cycle. It is. It's, it's a, a, a cycle. cycle. So,
1: so how do we break that cycle? I mean, we break the cycle by, by providing them resources, giving them the hand up that they need, yeah. um, getting them educated, giving them the resources to go out and get a job. Um, and that's another thing, like trying to get a job when you don't have a suit, you don't have the proper attire to get a job. Yeah. I mean, I would ask the corporations, anybody who works for a corporation that's listening to this, are you going to hire somebody that comes in looking like a bum?
0: Yeah. Probably not. And I think that a huge part of that is also like not having daily transportation, not having a solid resume, not having experience. I mean, you yell and yell and yell at these people to get jobs, but we're not giving them the tools to get to that job. Right. So I think that that's huge. And
1: again, that goes back to, you know, when you're down, you don't really know how to get out. Like, how do I how do I go and get a resume? Mm
0: -hmm. You
1: know, I can't even afford a bus pass. Yeah. How do I even get to the place? I mean, I could walk. But by the time I get there, you know, it's just
0: all of these obstacles that right. make it so difficult.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, even an I.D. Yeah. Like something as simple as an I.D. Yeah,
0: it's so difficult. Well, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me today. I know how difficult this can be. And I just feel like your story is so inspiring that you are going to really just show people what it's all about and show people that you can end up on top.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: Um, so just ending up and wrapping this up, if you're listening to this and you are in the Phoenix area, we are in major need of um, volunteers for our Priceless Pop-Up Shop in collaboration with Central Arizona Shelter Services on July 20th. Um, if you're available and would like to donate, please go check out our website, wwwcanysparestoryorg volunteer. Um, we would love to have you and would love to have your support. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you.